0: Retro nonsense in the house, y'all! Autobots,
1: transform and roll out! <laughs> no. I am your father. No! Joe! we will fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there! G.I. Joe
0: <laughs> Can you Atari today? Just give me my retro! Welcome to the Retro Nonsense Podcast. I am Duke, and with me as always is my good friend Chris Roberts, and we are at episode seven, and for this month we are doing, and for the next couple of months, we're going to be doing our quintessential 80s movies by genre. So what that means is, for each episode, we're going to pick a genre, and we're each going to pick what we consider a quintessential watch within that category or for that genre. So for this month, we picked the action-adventure genre, and as I said, we're both going to pick a movie that, I guess how I'd best describe it is, for me, it's if I had to pick one movie that best fits that category, encompasses everything that you want in an action-adventure movie from the 80s, that would be my pick. Not necessarily my favorite, not necessarily the best, but what I would consider the quintessential watch, the must-watch movie, you know, for that genre so is that how
1: you see it chris as well i'm feeling the pressure now man i didn't (laughs) know it was that serious no i mean no no exactly i mean and also i think we should also put in that i mean there's there's two movies being picked i mean i i I think we both agree on both of them i mean especially uh one of them is you 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 had to have this or else you know what i mean yeah so, I feel really good about my pick, but I also feel, you know, really good about yours as well. So
0: Yeah, what I was mainly getting at is, I just think, I don't want to call this my favorite action-adventure yeah, movie from no, the 80s. Yeah, I, I got or... you, because
1: it's, yeah, well... I'm not saying it's
0: considering, not, you know, but... <laughs> no, I, I
1: I understand,
0: yeah. But I just think, instead of calling it our favorite movie, or, you know, the, I think like a must watch in this in this genre i think is a better way to put it so that's how i see it look
1: we know it's rambo 3 (laughs) yeah
0: i don't think so just just get it going (laughs) well a couple things before we get started i want to mention if that's okay with you chris um go for it this month uh the beat the bandy challenge is uh kung fu for the nes another black box nes game last month we did popeye Mm -hmm and again having a blast with it uh, thanks Matt for putting this together and and being the one that picks the game and always the one who leads first and, and gives us a good challenge so it's been really fun and if anybody wants to join along we are putting our scores in the discord server um, and it's been really fun so join along if you want you can play any version the NES version or a emulation version whatever you want doesn't matter so have you played yet Chris?
1: Kung you, Fu? No. You I, said you were. I, I was going. I, no, I am. I am. I was going to last night, but I had a late night, so wasn't able to. Today worked doing the podcast. Later on tonight, uh, I plan on cool. you know getting it going and putting up a unbeatable score. So awesome. So yeah, I got an update though, real quick. Yeah. Um, has nothing to do with beat the bandy, okay. but I have an update from last from last episode. Um, oh, okay. I had mentioned that I, when I left the movie theater that day, when I watched Empire Strikes Back, I was given the choice whether or not to go to the toy store or be able to catch the bus. And if we missed the bus, we were going to have to walk. Yeah. And I said it was something like 7 or 11 miles or something like that. Yeah, so I went and I drove it with my car. You know, I, I went to where the apartment was right. and I drove it to where the movie theater was. Yeah, it was like three and a half miles. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> But I mean, if any fairness, I was small, so I had really little legs, but uh yeah, you know, I had Curtis sized legs, oh our friend Curtis, that's you not know, much. his legs now, but right, not much at all, and so <laughs> it took forever to get there, but uh, yeah, it was three and a half miles, so full disclosure, I exaggerated just a little bit, well, that's funny that you
0: went back and did that, but yeah, you know, three and a half miles uh, when you're a little kid it would seem like you know you're walking to you know who knows where a uh, Antarctica or right. something, you
1: know. So, yeah, it, it yeah. I know, but you know, it felt like 11.
0: Well, speaking of corrections, um Ramvox pointed out that we had or I had made a mistake in the release year of the Empire Strikes Back. And thank you for pointing yeah. that out, Richard. I appreciate that. Now, did you say 80, did you say 82 and it turned out to be 81? Was that it? I said I think I said 83. But I think it. I think it was released in '80,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, uh, I thought we said '81 and '80, but it doesn't matter. You can even correct this again if you want, Richard. But um, yeah, it was an '80 release, I believe. But you know, the thing is, it, it's you know, it was still in the theater, so maybe you went and saw it in '80, whatever. So who knows? Well, I think what happened
0: was I had in my mind, I had. Uh, well, well, here's what I'll say. If I would have spent two seconds. and and thought about the release dates I would have thought I would have known that it made no sense that it was released in 83 I just right
1: because Return of the Jedi was released in 83
0: right so right anyway my main point is thank you for pointing that out Richard I appreciate it um but that being said you know we here at the Retro Nonsense Podcast don't we don't do a lot of research between, before no. our podcast. We don't read through Wikipedia and and spew out yeah. facts and stuff like that. We're we're more about trying to remember, uh, you know, organically our experience from childhood. So I'm not saying it, we're it, never going to do that, but
1: well, sure. But frankly, the last time I tried to have facts to the ready, my phone was too close to the microphone, and uh, m- and poor Duke <laughs> had to spend like an extra hour like adjusting the levels or whatever. So. Right. Um, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're doing this from memory. That's kind of part of the charm. We're, we're not, you know, we're not experts. Right. But please feel free
0: to correct us if we make a mistake. That's that's great. Sure. That generates discussion. It it it's all sure. good. So we, I,
1: we 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 enjoy public humiliation. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But so yes, we got
0: we got the release year of The Empire Strikes Back way off, like by three years. So I apologize, but <laughs> we'll do we'll try yeah. to do a better job remembering uh, those types of things.
1: Listen, um, it was in the 80s. We had that part, right? Yeah, it's
0: all so, blur, right? You know, the 80s bar. was so much fun. I, who, who knows what year was what? <laughs> who <laughs> <You> knows? Know. <laughs> so, one more thing before we get started, if you don't mind, I just want to mention that you guys know, most of you guys know my wife. We call her Mother Brain. Um, so, she had a massive accomplishment that she had achieved um, since our last podcast where she's, a, she's a, an avid runner. Uh, she primarily likes to trail run or ultra run, where she runs through the woods, through streams and up cliffs and through rocks and everything. It's it's intense stuff, but she just loves doing it. And she uh, accomplished her biggest trail race yet, which was 100K. So she ended up running about 65 miles, which oh. I can't even barely comprehend myself.
1: But <laughs> I was there. I saw her do Let's it. Let's keep that in perspective. I, I am pretty confident that I could say I haven't ran sixty five miles in my entire life. Yep, I could probably say the Combined, same. Combined, like from day one to now, like and I played football and I played baseball and soccer, <laughs> I played all the sports, basketball, all of them, and I really doubt I've ran sixty five miles.
0: Yeah, I could probably so say the same. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: So that that would have been an accomplishment in and of itself, but the conditions that she ran in were absolutely horrible. It was freezing, it was sleeting, and there was snow everywhere, and it was just the water level had risen to an unbelievable amount uh, compared to what that track usually is. So she was running in water, sometimes up to her thighs, and the mud was like half frozen, the thickest, slipperiest mud you'd ever see.
1: Through quicksand, so, yeah, <laughs> and there was there is gators, lightning in the water. and
0: barrels All rolling at her snakes, <laughs> but <Wait. laughs> it was it was an amazing accomplishment, and I'm so proud of her, and I don't know how she did it, but she is the strongest, most dedicated, focused runner I've ever ever known and and person and woman I've ever known as well. So congratulations to my wife, and I just thought I'd mention that because. I just like bragging about her. She's amazing, and yeah, she's that's... strong, and she's courageous, and she's—I don't know how she does it, but I can't imagine how she did it. But somehow she pulled it off, and she was like fourth, uh, third place in her in her uh, gender, in, yeah, in her gender. So I think she, what she did was a was a, a special tier of this race. Most of the other runners only ran half of that, and she started at nine o'clock at night and ran through wow. the night, and then had a small break as they traveled to the next track and then she ran another 50k the next day starting early in the morning so it, i don't even know how she did it but i just wanted to congratulate her on this or my on our podcast here because i know she's a loyal listener and she's a big fan yeah.
1: of us so. <laughs> exactly it's that's great and congratulations uh that's awesome all right well with that being said let's get started on our main
0: topic here so for A quintessential 80s movie I picked I'm sorry quintessential action-adventure 80s movie I picked none other than Raiders of the Lost Ark so I wrote a little thing here to kick off our discussion in 1981 children and adults alike were introduced to Indiana Jones a handsome and adventurous archaeologist brandishing his trademark fedora revolver and whip Indy was tasked with finding the Ark of the Covenant before it fell into the hands of the Nazis, where they would use its awesome power for world domination. With the creative minds of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg at the helm, and Harrison Ford having the perfect balance of toughness, charisma, and humor as Dr. Indiana Jones, moviegoers retreated to an exciting adventure like they had never seen before. With its visceral action scenes, likable characters, and fantastical plot, Raiders of the Lost Ark stands out as one of the best action movies of all time and my quintessential 80s action adventure movie. So, Chris, what was your earliest experience, memories with this film?
1: Well, I feel like I talked about this early on, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it brief on this one, but um, the very first time I ever seen it, I was uh, with a friend. I stayed the night at their house and, their, and one of the one of the things was if I stayed the night, I was going to go with them in the morning. Uh, the mother was a babysitter. We were going to stop, pick up some other kids, and then we were going to go to another house that she cleaned, and we got to swim in the pool. So I was like, I'm all in. Pool, take me there. When we got to the kid's house, he had an Atari, and he had um, a CED player, which is uh, you know, an early form of home media. They looked like records. Well, one of the one of the CEDs he had was Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, he put it on. I only got to see about fifteen minutes of it, and then we had to go. But I knew, you know, because I mean, my first thought was, "Hey, it's Han Solo," you know, <laughs> and um, and I knew, and I and I had never heard of the movie before. I mean, I, I know I must have seen the commercials, but it just didn't interest me. You know, I don't know why. It just for whatever reason, it's just something like I was more into space and uh this was like it looked old-timey and stuff like that I don't know it, it wasn't something that I thought was was interesting until I actually got to watch it and it was wasn't for another few years to finally it was on network TV and uh I watched it with my parents and and man I loved it I mean it was it was just the coolest thing
0: yeah yeah I'm pretty sure I did not see this in the theater I don't ha- I have no memory of that and thinking about the the release year 81 Um, you know, I'm one of four kids and I would have been, um, six years old and my sister would have been seven. My younger sister would have been like, uh, I'm I'm sorry, my younger brother would have been like five and my younger sister would have been like, you know, an infant. So I don't think my parents were probably taking us to the movies, uh, around that time period that much. So I think I probably saw this over that same friend's house that I mentioned on our last podcast, my quote unquote rich friend who had everything, had a VCR, reel-to-reel projector, all the toys and everything. I'm pretty sure I saw it over his house on his VCR. Um, and then in subsequent years, uh, obviously on the television uh, viewings, I saw
1: it uh, many times. I think it was probably played every year. Is that how it worked back then? Yeah, I, I, I believe it was something that they probably played once a year. That, that, Star Wars, Jaws, you know, those are those movies that they typically played once a year. Wizard of Oz, sound of music, Wizard all of those Oz, classics. Sound, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I mean, because I mean, that's easy ratings, you know. Yeah.
0: So, and I, I'm sure at some point, I know at some point I got it on VCR as well, but that was that was probably much later. But um, yeah, you know, what? you just mentioned how you you said, oh, that's Han Solo. You know, I think one of the things I like about Harrison Ford in this role is that he portrayed himself differently than he did in Star Wars, so much so that I never saw like Han Solo in the character of indiana jones i I knew it was the same actor, but it's a it's a a test testament to his acting I think um I never saw them as the same you know sometimes an actor you're like oh there's there's han solo there's so and so because that's what he played before, but i never right. I never did that with this one i I knew it was Harrison Ford, but I never saw him, I guess because his hair was a lot different. You know, had the glasses on at some point. He looked so different than Han
1: Solo, and he acted right. very differently too. Very different. Nice. Character. Showing his chest, all, all over the place. <laughs> right. He's doing all kinds yeah. of things. Got a whip. You don't have a. Well, he did have a gun too, but you know, it wasn't a laser. Right. You know, right. wasn't a ray gun. But yeah, uh, I no, I agree with what you're saying about that. I mean, he, I, I really feel like um, this character's you know uh, much more deep than than the than han solo i mean in the yeah. first movie he's not even i mean he's in it but it's very broad you know like he's pretty yeah. one-dimensional in uh, the first but the second movie is when he gets to uh really expand on the 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 solo character and the uh, return of the jedi honestly the mo- every time i watch it i just look at it and i just think man harrison ford just looks like he doesn't want to be there so <laughs> yeah I, I i really feel that way it just feels like i mean maybe i'm wrong but it just feels lazy like he his uh his performance I didn't think was that good in Return of the Jedi, but um in in, in the Indiana Jones movies, I think they're fantastic, especially oh, yeah. Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in
0: a nutshell why I think this is the quintessential action adventure eighties movie is because I just think everything about this movie just hits hits just right. You've got Steven Spielberg in his prime coupled with Lucas's grand ideas, which in this case just, I don't know how something like this wasn't really done before. It's just so it's just what everybody at that time wanted. Every young boy at least wanted this this action adventure star. With you know not necessarily with these particular things, but the whip and the hat and the the right. leather jacket. Well, I, I
1: would say I would say it was done before we just didn't know it. It was from a completely different generation, um yeah, he used that's to true. go watch those serial movies in the movie theaters, which you know essentially, I guess you would watch one episode of a TV show for all intents and purposes, but in the movie theater, and he pretty much you know aped the whole concept from that. But that doesn't make it any less. I mean, he took it and created a backstory and turned it into something different. But, um, yeah, it, but in our generation, this was it. I mean, it, later on, you know, they started ripping him off, like Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, there was Jewel another denial. one with Chuck Jewel the Nile. Yeah, so uh, there's a Chuck Norris one, Firewalker. You know that's I don't that's another that thing one. that <laughs> yeah I, it, it was it was even a little bit further down even though frankly um, I actually was doing a little research and by research I just mean I was reading something on the internet that someone else researched <laughs> but um, uh, Jewel and I was actually written first it just wasn't a movie first interesting so, that doesn't necessarily mean George Lucas read it it just it was written first I, I guess it was a novel. Uh, or something, but it was uh, it was written. Um, I think th- I think it. I think what I read was it was written three years before Raiders of the Lost Ark was written. Wow. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean George Lucas borrowed anything from Jewel of the Nile. It really looks like he uh, borrowed it, and and he doesn't even hide the fact that he borrowed it from the serials that he used to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the concept. He wanted to take that concept and make it into a a, a full length you know feature as opposed right. to these little disposable mo- and and he even copied some of the the styles like uh, one of the things that those serials used to do they would end on a cliffhanger where right. the hero looks like he's going off a cliff and you swear you saw him going <laughs> off the cliff in the truck but when they would come back the next week he'd be holding onto a vine or something and they actually <laughs> right. used that scene in the holy grail so um uh, mm-hmm you know they use it, that exact scene so it was something that he was definitely copying but again it's it's more of an homage not as opposed to just blatantly ripping it off and you know harrison ford he he brings indiana jones alive but something i wanted to touch on um before we move any further uh there were several other people who um or who auditioned uh, to be Indiana Jones uh, one of the ones who was kind of a front runner uh, was Tom Selleck yep. so that's kind of one of those famous ones and uh, one of the reasons um, actually from what I was reading Lucas didn't want um, Ford and it wasn't that he didn't like him he didn't think he was a good actor he was afraid he that was going to become his Robert De Niro like uh, the Martin Scorsese films De Niro's always in them. You know what I mean? Or not right. everyone, but a, a lot of them. So that became kind of like his actor. Um, Tarantino does that a lot, too. He has certain actors that are in a lot of his movies, and he repeats that a lot. Tim so Burton he does that, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're right, 100%, with uh, Johnny Depp and stuff. So he didn't want that. So... I don't know necessarily know if Tom Selleck was his first choice, but I believe it was the studio's first choice. But, of course, he was filming Magnum P.I. Pico- Even though Magnum P.I. hadn't yet started to film yet, um, there might have been some issues uh, if Indy wasn't wrapped up by the time uh, Magnum P.I. was set to record. So I guess Tom must have passed on it. And um, so then it was three weeks before... Um, Principal photography was starting. Uh, was set to begin when when Ford was cast as Indiana Jones. So he was basically their last resort. Yeah, which is amazing to me because I cannot imagine Indiana Jones with a stupid mustache. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it works great for Magnum PI. Don't get me wrong. It's it's perfect for Magnum PI. Actually, this playboy who lives in Hawaii, driving around a Ferrari, but. He wasn't gonna cut his mustache. I just couldn't imagine that. You know what I mean? It just. Yeah. And not only that, you know, I was watching Indiana Jones the other day just to kind of refresh my memory and everything, just to you know, kind of get in the in the vibe for it. And I was starting. I was trying to picture these scenes with Tom Selleck, and I'm like, I just can't see Tom Selleck doing that. I just no. don't see it. I don't see him dropping into a snake pit. I don't see him <laughs> fighting Nazis. I just don't see it. You know, so for whatever reason however it worked out it was perfect that um harrison ford was was casted as indiana
0: jones absolutely and and that being said i also had in my notes here that another uh potential star for the role was david hasselhoff
1: i did see that and that's another one i couldn't imagine man (laughs) of course not it would have been horrible there would not have been an indy two and three i can promise you that
0: Check this out, they also, one of the, the actual original title was, um, well, I'm sorry, not, not the title, but the original name was Indiana Smith.
1: Yes, I have that written Can down too. Can you imagine
0: a movie called Indiana Smith starring David Hasselhoff? <laughs>
1: David Hasselhoff. Yeah, and Spielberg didn't like it, so he kind of like kept leaning in on George. He's like, "Dude, Smith does not it just doesn't have a good enough ring to it." Yeah. So they they wanted to go with the other American name cuz he wanted an American sounding name. That's why yeah. he chose Smith cuz it was supposed to be kind of like this generic name right and uh so they went with jones also uh the original title of the movie when released in the theaters was just raiders of the lost ark yep and it wasn't until it came out on deep on the vhs and you know uh ced the the stuff at the time when it was released into the home media market that they switched it to indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark so and to that i say lucas
0: darn you leave leave our stuff alone
1: Stop right? meddling!
0: Stop meddling with all your movies. <laughs> Just leave him <them> yeah. be. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's he can't help himself. I know. Another another weird little tidbit. I I I didn't find out what the connection was. I didn't look that hard into it. But you know, Chippendale the rescue rangers. Uh huh. They are their outfits are Indiana Jones and Magnum PI. When you look at, I
0: know. Them. I see that it's sometimes so on weird. the internet.
1: Yeah, it's so weird that they. Uh, like I, I wonder why, but I mean, it's
0: <laughs> could just be a coincidence, or it could have been purposeful.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know either. Um, one of the a, a little a little Easter egg too that I mean I'm sure you know of, but um, in the in the Well of Souls, if you look closely mm-hmm. on one of the walls, you can see an R2D2 and a C3PO. Yeah, yep. that's really cool. And then um, in the earlier releases, like on VHS, um, you can see the reflection of the Cobra when when Indiana Jones falls into the well of souls and that cobra is like right in his face Yeah. Um, cuz that's a that's a legit cobra and i from what i've read it still had its venom and uh, but there was like a plastic shield between him and the snake ah. and you can you can kind of see if you you look at the watch the VHS version you can see it on the DVD version they cleaned it up
0: interesting i was actually wondering when i was watching it how the heck they did that cuz it's right in
1: his face
0: yeah, and, and it's then, a legit, legit snake. And then it happened to Marianne too,
1: as she when she fell in. Right. And There, I was, was, like, seven, there was seven. There were seven thousand real snakes in that well of souls. Yep. So, and there's also there was also another thing I read that there was lizards. There were like legless lizards that were also in there. Uh-huh. And the way you could tell when you're looking at one of the lizards or one of the snakes is they have ear holes. Yep. And snakes don't have <laughs> yep. ear holes. Sorry the if thing, I'm stealing some of your notes. Oh you're no, no, it, it's like, fine.
0: The things they had to do before CGI, you know, yeah. all this well, production. well, they, they and... were
1: going to do robotic snakes, but George, I mean, uh, Steven's like, "Nah, that looks like crap." <laughs> yeah. So what 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 is some of your most favorite scenes from the movie?
0: My favorite scene, gosh, I love that moment when he jumps on that white stallion and he rides beside the truck and that whole truck scene. That 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 yeah. whole segment there is to me is so not only is that the best action sequence to me in the movie, but just that iconic image of him on a white stallion where it's rearing its on its back legs and it's got the fedora on and the music's the Indiana Jones music is going. It's just so it's just so iconic and so American and just so it just gives you all those good feels of this adventurer who's just the coolest guy in the world at the time, you know. It's just I love that whole scene. It's just so cool. And of course that whole that whole sequence with the trucks, him on the side of the truck, and he's punching the guy, and then he kicks him out, and throws him you know under the hood, and then he right. you know does the famous dragging behind the truck scene, which is just the coolest mm-hmm. thing in the world. Yeah, uh, that, real that stunt, scene was by talked about. Yeah, that was talked about so yeah. much back in the day. He that was really him, or at least most of it was, I think.
1: Yeah, there and was. He, some, I think the under the carriage, I think that was the stunt man, but the, the dragging on the rope. Yeah, I, I think Sam. that was Harrison Ford, uh, if, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, he did a lot of his own stunts in this movie. Um, he, he apparently bruised a bunch of ribs doing that stunt and hurt his leg. He in tore another up stunt. It, He
1: tore up his leg too yeah. in the fight scene uh, by the whenever they get out of the well of souls and he fights that one really big Nazi by that airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. The guy stepped on his foot or something when they were doing their their choreographed fight scene, and it uh like tore some ligaments in his leg. Yeah. Yep, and of course, one of the one of my favorite scenes. I mean, it's hard to like ignore the opening scene. I mean, that's that's great. Just that whole opening sequence, him going into that temple, you know, oh, yeah. thinking that you know he's trying to measure the weight of the bag and this idol that he can't pick up, and uh, he thinks he got it, and then that look on his face when he realizes <laughs> yeah. he triggered a trap, and. Uh, you know, of course, the big boulder chasing him. I mean, it doesn't get any more iconic than that. Yeah. Um, another great scene is all the cast and the uh, the only one who didn't get, like, severe stomach illness from the water and the food was Steven Spielberg because he brought, like, a bunch of cans of SpaghettiO with him, and that's what he was eating. So he was <laughs> the only one who didn't get, like, really horribly sick. But, um, Indiana Jones or, you know, Harrison Ford, he was really sick. It was hitting him pretty bad. I mean, they were all having like really bad diarrhea and stuff like that. And there's that one scene where, you know, it's leading up to the scene you were talking about where he's chasing them around to trying to, trying to save Miriam And, uh, he squares off with that one guy, Uh you know, the guy who has that big sword and he's swinging it around, you know, and then, uh... Ford just looks at him and and basically just like, man, screw this, and just shoots him. Yeah, You know? And uh, it's always been said that that was an ad-lib scene and, you know, because they would take multiple takes and all that, and uh, it it was supposed to be a scene where he was supposed to fight him, like a fist fight and it was supposed to be this long, drawn-out scene, and I think they already had done a few takes at that point, and uh, Harrison just said, you know, he just pulled the gun out and shot him, and I guess uh, Spielberg liked that, so they reshot it, there's a great features. There's many great features though on the DVD set, and i and then I don't know if they're on the the Blu-rays because I don't have those, but a lot of making up featurettes and they talk about it and it's it's just really good, man. Sometimes those things are just as good as the movies, you know. I've got that same box set. It's got four, yeah, four, DVDs. four Yeah, yeah, that's on that I bonus disc. Yeah, yeah, that bonus disc is, is amazing, man. I, how I come, come Lucas let like How that? come
0: Lucas let let Indiana Jones just murder a guy like that? With no problem.
1: Well, I, yeah, I know, and, and the and the guy didn't stab first or nothing, you know. <laughs> stab first. You know what I mean? Like he didn't this shot is him. supposed to be the big hero. Whereas, to the contrary, uh, Han Solo was a scoundrel. He calls himself a scoundrel. Uh, uh, what's his face calls uh, Billy D calls him a pirate. You know, like it's it's known that he's kind of a criminal. So yeah. him shooting you know this guy uh greedo was he was that was really you know a preemptive strike he was going to get killed so of course he's just defending himself just because he shot first doesn't make it any less uh he's just trying to live you know what i mean whereas uh indiana jones i mean he could have ran that guy was big that guy wasn't gonna catch him but he shot him in cold blood right there in the street (laughs) and i loved it i did too it was it and it was it's one of those scenes that make you laugh It's, it's hilarious you know, the man's murders is funny.
0: You know, speaking of that scene, you know, one another thing that stood out to me, I remember as a kid, um, this probably was the first movie that I saw that had so much blood in it. I mean, you know, a lot of the movies I watched where people were getting punched or shot, they would just fall over. But man, you, they get punched in this and blood's shooting out of their nose, you know? Yeah. Or Andy gets shot in a truck and blood shoots all over the windshield. And it's like a bright red blood. It's very noticeable and very. You know, it's kind of, like, gimmicky almost. But um, I remember being, like, shocked at how violent it was. And this was a rated PG movie. They didn't have PG-13 back then.
1: Well, I mean, it was a big debate whether or not they were going to get a rated R. And I guess, you know, uh, Lucas and Spielberg kind of leaned on them. And I'm sure they must have cut some stuff out. But, I I mean, I don't feel like the movie suffered in any way.
0: One thing I think I remember hearing was that the exploding head at the end when they opened the Ark of the Covenant... They had to put mm-hmm. flames over top of that to dampen some of the ah. vi- visual how graphic it looked, so they did have to do some tweaking, but even for you know I don't remember ever seeing a movie but prior to that, you know Star Wars never had blood, and most of the other movies that I watched didn't have this much violence and I remember being a little shocked as a kid at how violent it was and how bloody it was, even when he was fighting that big Nazi you were just talking about. I mean, he was punching him in the face, and blood shooting all over the place. And then, of course, he gets hit by the fan, and blood shoots all over the windshield of the of the plane. I mean, it's got some
1: pretty graphic stuff in there for for a action movie for kids, you know. Well, especially a PG movie. I mean, you know, I think it's it's pretty well known that you know it was uh, the Temple of Doom that was one of the movies. I think there was a couple, but Temple of Doom was one of the ones that really brought in that PG PG thirteen rating. Yep, and uh, so. I think it gets credited with it but I've also heard I forgot the other movie that was credited with it too but there it, it was a couple of movies but Ray um Temple was really the one because that was you know it was going to be a blockbuster and they knew it even though it was probably the the weakest out of the 3 even though I still like it but you know it's yeah um it is it is interesting to think of you know George Lucas's impact and well and even Spielberg for that matter cuz he's directing it on the way we watch movies now
0: yeah, but this movie for me just just had it all, and it did everything right. I mean, Spielberg's directing in this is fantastic. Just the shot, just even subtle things like the very beginning when the guy tries to pull the gun on him, and he, you see Indy kind of cock his head, and he pulls yep. the whip out and whips the gun out of his hand, and then he you see his face for the first time. Just little yeah. things like that. Um, just the way the movie is is put together is is just so just so well done. All the action scenes are great. Of course, you can't not talk about the score uh, by John Williams. Um, The Indiana Jones music is just, it's, you know, synonymous with adventure to me. It's just, it's so good. It's so perfect. Everything John Williams does is great. But um, it it really adds to how big this movie is and how fantastic it is. And It's just, you know, everything about this movie I just love. It's, I guess it's a little dated. I just watched it again uh, to prepare for the podcast. And obviously some of the, it's got a lot of 80s feel to it. Actually, I think it's got a lot of Spielberg feel to it. Like with some of the, um, especially towards the end with the arc, special effects and a lot of the blue screen
1: stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a little. I I, I will say though, I am glad they haven't gone back in and oh, yeah Lucas, Lucas fight it, you know what I mean like, <laughs> Lucas fight it yeah. We, yeah we don't need them to change it it's fine for what it is when you watch it, part of the thing is your imagination, you know what I mean yeah. you're you kind of fill in the blanks you don't need you know cGI to fix everything I guess one of the
0: things that I guess i don't like I, or I don't understand is when they open up the arc and there's like ghosts flying out of it, and remember that one like girl turns into like a skeleton right i just well, don't know okay. what that's supposed I,
1: I, to be i was i was reading a little bit about it and i guess there's some scenes that didn't make the cut and some of them weren't even filmed but i there was supposed to be a scene where they had mentioned that you're not supposed to touch anybody who touched or looked at the arc once it was open so whether you touched it before with your bare hands you know that's why when you see them carrying it they're carrying it with those mm-hmm. sticks and um And uh, if you uh, looked at it when it was open, you were gonna die. Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. don't look at it, no matter what happens. Now, why there are ghosts floating around, that was just their choice. I mean, it's just basically, whatever, it's the power of God or the power, Mm -hmm. however you want to look at it. It was supposed to be like, once you look at it, you're cursed. Right. Uh, maybe I really don't know why they went that route. I mean, obviously it was just you know yeah just for a visual just whatever just... he chose. Sure, they got to give you something. Probably they probably didn't want to show anything that looked religious, so it looked more sure. ghost-like. Sure, sure, as opposed to if those were angels, I imagine the initial concept probably was angels.
0: Yeah, and they probably, probably just they yeah. probably
1: just kind of maybe the studio's like, eh, we don't like that. So I don't know. I'm just speculating on that one, but yeah. that one's that kind of seems probably what it was. It was probably supposed yeah. to be angels, and they decided to make it look more like ghosts because you know they didn't want to be like you know sacrilegious. Yeah. Sure. And then I guess there's also
0: remember the in the Well of Souls when Marion gets lost and she's looking for Indiana. Yeah, Jones that was weird she, too. She stumbled upon all those skeletons, and they're like all like making noises and stuff. They're like, oh yeah.
1: you
0: know, like they're zombies or something. And some You're of right. them look
1: I. I yeah i think that's supposed i think if you're i if i had a guess i would assume you're supposed to interpret that's going on in her head the not necessarily them moving towards her they're probably just she just got cornered in something yeah and I see that, yeah. they just kind of fell so when she's hearing all those noises that's probably supposed to be in her head yeah. because when indy comes up he's like mariam come here you know like he doesn't even acknowledge that all that chaos was going on he right. just sees her kind of freaking out. Yeah. Um but I agree with you. That is an odd scene. I I remember even thinking that was kinda of odd as a kid, like, um, are they you know, like what's going on? You know, like why is that happening? Are they like inhabited by a spirit or something? But um yeah. I don't I don't think so. I think that's supposed to I think it's supposed to be in her head. But, yeah, but, but either you know, way, but I mean, yeah, I think some things that are I mean I remember something that like really just rubbed me right was You know, the whole staff of Roth, right? Is it Roth or staff of whatever? You know, that staff. I always said Roth. Staff of Roth. Roth. Yeah, Roth. There you go. Well, yeah, I was making it Jewish. (laughs) The staff of Roth. You know, no, the staff of Roth. You know, that that headpiece. And, you know, when the Nazi grabbed it and it burned in his Mm hands. so they thought, oh, we have it. And, of course, you're supposed to flip it over and subtract some feet. and, And when Indiana Jones went into the you know that the map room and and the sun went through it like i just always thought man that's so cool you know like for sure you know if you were playing and you pretended to be indie you know that was kind of like one of the things you like to do you know you had a rope you're swinging hitting stuff and Uh (laughs) uh-huh yep but yeah that that was really cool and they made a cool little toy set out of that too which was awesome but i didn't have any of that stuff did you have any of the indiana jones toys you know i was going to mention that
0: I, i think it's a interesting comparison because i don't I, I had no Indiana Jones toys as a kid at all, and I don't remember. I would have loved
1: it. I would have I don't loved remember it. Any I of just them. I don't remember seeing him. I don't. I didn't know anybody who had any.
0: I didn't and either. I don't
1: ever remember seeing them. And I think that's interesting for
0: such, um, you know, just coming off the heels of Star Wars and how right. big, how much they put into the merchandising merchandising of that um, franchise, and then here comes another franchise that did fantastic. This thing did it was the best movie of
1: 1981 yeah Yeah, it was great it was
0: huge it was everybody was talking about it it was fantastic it was put up
1: for a a best picture yeah and I don't remember a lot of merchandise do you I don't remember I I, I don't I don't at all I I imagine there must have been shirts and stuff like that but I think I, I bet you with the testing it probably appealed more to adults and maybe that's why. You think why. that's what it is, huh? I I don't know other no other reason. I mean, when when have you ever known Lucas to pass up on a merchandise opportunity? Or well, maybe thing, maybe I the guess... studio had the rights to the toys and they didn't do it. Who knows?
0: Maybe. But you know, upon thinking about it, I don't know how well this series lends itself to toys. I mean, Star Wars has all the spaceships and the aliens yeah. and this whole grand world. Yeah, little
1: Nazi toys, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> you and, know what I mean?
0: I mean, Indiana Jones is more about him, the character. So yeah. once you get Indiana Jones
1: and a whip, what else are you going right. to have? Maybe a, a couple trucks,
0: you know, from the...
1: Yeah, I mean, you. okay, in theory, you could have Nazi guys. You could have dudes like the you know those arabic guys on the horses with Uh the swords i mean there's some other enemies but man it it probably wouldn't have aged well right uh probably not yeah you know what I mean? They, yeah. I can imagine somebody be getting canceled right now. Because right. they probably wouldn't have aged well. But I don't know, man. There were toys. And they did but, do it. So I don't, I don't remember Burger King glasses. I don't remember bed sheets. I don't remember... No, there was... Yes, there was... I have one of the Burger King glasses. But I the really? one I have is for Temple of Doom. So I'm assuming there must have been... Huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll post a picture of it on for okay. our uh, Discord. But I, I found one with him and... Um, Small fry, and okay. they're in the raft. So okay, okay, yeah,
0: but. yeah. I mean, I know that I know there had to be merchandise, but I just don't. I don't
1: remember it. It wasn't nearly it, it, as, it, as it, grand. It was as Star nowhere Wars. near. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it wasn't yeah. on the same level for sure. It's, it's like, so they, interesting. Maybe in the test markets, it just didn't sell well, so they just discontinued it. I, I really don't know. We could look more yeah. into it, but well, I mean, it was a three movie franchise, and. It was George
0: Lucas who who knows how much money there was to be made off merchandise. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, I should look into that because I'm it's curious because I just don't remember there being nearly as much stuff. Well, uh, I
1: tell you, one of the things I wanted as a kid is one of those uh, those nunchuck Nazi hangers. Those things, <laughs> yeah. That was cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love the tension in that scene because yeah. you know Miriam and that, and that I forgot the other guy's name, but the guy who's trying to court her. Um, yeah, the when the guy. Nazi, yeah, when that Nazi guy comes in there and um, you know he pulls that out, you know they both are like gasping, like what's he gonna do? And then it just it's a hanger, and that guy yeah. puts his coat on it. I was like, oh man, that was a good psych out, man. So how how did you like Marion? In the, in the film I, I loved her I liked yeah. her a lot I mean uh, it's going to sound ageist I guess but I didn't really care for her in the last movie even though I do feel like she still had a spark but um, you know in the Crystal Skull uh huh. Yeah. Um, I would I just I don't know I kind of just rather see Harrison play off a younger woman I guess um, I, I blocked that movie I don't even remember
0: that movie <laughs> to be honest with you I saw it once in the theaters and I think I don't remember much about it at all
1: well, I like it. I don't think it's as bad as people. I think uh, if you give it another chance, you might like it a little more than you remembered. Um, really? I don't really mind. Yeah, I don't mind the character of Butch. I know that's one of the criticisms. I, I don't know. I think that guy's a pretty good actor. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I mean, is it great? No. But the point is, it's it's designed to be a high-budget B-movie. That's the goal right. of all of them. I mean, that's kind of what they are. Uh, it's just, you don't think of last crusade as a b-movie you don't think of raiders as a b-movie um i don't even know i think you kind of, you you might make an argument that uh that temple of doom is kind of a horror movie to some degree oh, i mean yeah. not yeah not a real horror but you know what i mean there's some horror elements to it um lots of gore that's for sure lots yeah I, I mean horror might be a little strong but you know what i'm saying it's it's definitely yeah. not a family movie <laughs> you know what i mean yeah right um but yeah, you know, I like the I like the fourth one. I think it's fine. I mean, it's just if I'm ranking them, I'm still probably gonna rank it fourth. But uh, hey, to be fourth in a Indiana Jones four movies, I mean, you could do worse. You know, I I will give it another watch. I hated that movie when I saw it. I couldn't I couldn't believe what I just saw. But uh, maybe yeah, I'll give it another shot. I, I think my initial impulse was um, there was a character that, you know, was a double agent, triple agent, quadruple uh, I don't know. I didn't like that character. There was a couple of characters I didn't dig. But, and I really didn't care for the alien thing. But, oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really care for it because I felt like at that point, like, had he done that in the early 90s when X Files was a big thing, that probably would have played better. I think his timing was just off. And, and a lot of people one, wanted it to be antarctica that was supposed to be one of the what early on that was one of the storylines i kept seeing it was supposed not antarctica but i mean atlantis it was supposed to be him finding atlantis and right. i thought wow that's kind of cool you know to think of him trying to find where this lost continent is and um so when i heard it was like an alien thing especially like this crystal skull thing it was like eh. i mean that whole crystal skull thing it's a real thing, actually, but it's it's been debunked. But hmm. um, there were these crystal skulls popping up, and you know, they're supposed to be so perfect, not even a laser can cut them, and all these things. But I, I'm pretty sure all that's been debunked at this point. But um, I hell, just I remember- would have probably rather him look for Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i remember most prominently in my mind again i blocked out a lot of that film i just don't remember a lot about it but there was some cgi like jungle swinging scene or something that just
1: yeah that that was a little cheesy when the butch was a butch right that was the name I, 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 don't I, can't know. Even think. I can't even think of the character the actor's name right now shia, LaBeouf? It was the guy, shia labeouf thank you um he was swinging like Tarzan or whatever on all these vines and there was monkeys everywhere. And you know, I don't know, whatever. I mean, it's listen, it's not a perfect movie and most people dislike it. And I know I'm in the minority here. I I, I can appreciate that. And I can, I can respect that. I'm just saying it's not as bad as some people say it is.
0: I'll give it another it's, watch for you.
1: And you know, I, I, I like the, I like the whole reveal that, you know, the Ark, man I mean they still kind of brought it back and that was kind of cool even though Indy doesn't get to see it but that kind of adds to Indiana Jones the fact that there's the Ark right there he was in the building <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean he was in the building where they put the Ark, and it was right and it got revealed and it was just there another cool thing is that movie was filmed uh, that whole hangar scene was filmed in this little airport here in Fresno called uh, Chandler Chandler Airport so oh, okay yeah i can go take some pictures of it you know for what i could see from the road i don't know with covid or anything if i can go into it they used to have like a little restaurant in there you could just go in there and you can kind of look at the airport while you're in there but uh it still has like that art deco look to it you know like the
0: nah,
1: i don't know yeah. i guess 20s 30s 40s whatever whatever that era is um but it's pretty cool but yeah i don't know i i listen this movie's the far superior movie obviously (laughs) i mean i guess the big debate is which one's better to you part one or part three part one yeah oh yeah okay you you like part three better than part one no 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 no. but uh, to me it's it's closer than i want to admit yeah uh the third movie is good for sure
0: um yeah I, temple doom is the weakest one out of the three yeah yeah for sure So I, for i'm sure. in the same i agree with you that it's one three then two
1: yeah and then if four, that's how you rank guess, them. if you want it yeah that's how i would rank them i'm just yeah. saying I, I every time i watch um the last crusade you know like the chemistry between him and his father and, oh yeah stuff. Um, it's just yeah it's really good um I haven't seen
0: that in a long time. I, I need to check that out again. It's been, it's well, been quite you, you a while. Well, you need to
1: watch it again. That, that one's really yeah. good. And, and you know, the trials at the end and everything. I just, I really love that movie, but I love this one. I mean, it's never going to rank above it, but I tell you, if I'm sitting down to watch either one of them, it's a it's a no-lose situation.
0: Right, right. Well, since we talked about uh, Mary, is, is it Marion or mary M? I've been saying Marion. <sighs>
1: I think it's Mary M with an M. But, oh, really? I mean, we could, Am we I could saying it wrong? Mary-M? Is it mary I think it's. I've, I've been see. saying Marion. Well, you know, you know what it is. Mary. I don't know. Let me look it up. I look it yeah, up. I don't know, man. What do I know here? Let me see. <laughs> I just uh, to make sure I'm saying it right. I'm saying her name right. Look, yeah. Well, Ram will let us know. <laughs> Let's see. All right, looking her up right now, and yeah, it's Marion with an N at the end. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of Marion, I probably say Marion, and I keep switching back and forth. Who knows? But Marion. This was one of those. Uh,
0: this is a kind of a side topic, but since we're talking about her, I think we talked about this on a different podcast, maybe, or maybe just you and I separately. But it always bothered me as a kid when they switched the girl.
1: Yeah. In the movie,
0: <laughs> it it just felt so wrong to me. When Indiana Jones, you know, the second movie comes out, and now there's where I'm like, "Where's Marion? He 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 loved her. They they were a couple. They were kissing, and yeah. now it's like, don't even mention her. And who's this dumb blonde girl? You know, it just really it really frustrated me. And this is not the only movie that did it, but any time a movie or a TV show did that, it, it it really made me feel bad
1: inside. I I don't know why. Maybe I'm crazy that way. No, but, no, it was, it, you know, because see, early on, I didn't even realize that. Um, that temple of doom was a prequel so oh i guess that well you know as a kid i'm not you don't know that that. exactly that's the point you don't know that so you assume it's just continuing so then the question would be where's short round and where's you know like where's that blonde chick that he was with but they never really sealed the deal so (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but in they, my head, imp- they got married
0: and lived happily ever after. No, no, you know, no, no, no.
1: Marion, yes. I, I'm not talking yeah, about her. Okay. They had a history. They already had hooked up. Now, the creepy thing is is when you do the math, okay? Mm-hmm. So Marion's supposed to be like 25 in the movie. What? Yes, okay? 25? And, 25. I, I just looks read all this like She looks way older than 25. It doesn't matter. She's supposed to be 25. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Okay. And he, she hasn't seen him for 10 years and he's like, I'm sorry or whatever. And she's like, I was just a kid. So that means however age Indy was, I'm assuming Indy's in his late thirties, mid thirties to maybe 40, Uh, probably, probably mid to late thirties, maybe. Right. I mean, he's a professor. So
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So he was probably, let's, let's say he's 35, right. And she's 25. Uh So that means he was 25 and she was 15, which maybe oh back gosh. then was acceptable. You know, I mean, it's different culture at the time, but it wasn't a different culture in the 80s when George Lucas is. Now, I've read this. Okay, I just read this on, you know, like Indiana Jones trivia, the wiki, and now take it for what it's worth. So I, I'm not saying this is etched in stone and it's fact. I'm just telling you what I read that the initial writing was she was supposed to be like 17... Or sixteen, seventeen, or eighteen in that range when um, her and Indiana hooked up in the past, right? Okay. You know when she, when, you know when they make reference to they had this past mm-hmm. together, and, mm-hmm. and she's like, I was just a kid. Okay. Uh, George didn't think that was risky enough. He he thought that was boring. He wanted her to be fifteen. That's what I've read. <laughs> so wow. her character, she was fifteen when they were hooking up, and Indy was in his early twenties. Now, when huh. you see them again, she's 25, and I'm guessing he's, like, 34, 35. Right. So, I, I just... George, you know, you just got to stop, dude. <laughs> just stop. Like, come up with these good ideas, and then let somebody edit you. Because that's when he's <laughs> at his best. <laughs> well, when you know I, I mean? just
0: revisited that scene last night, watching the movie again, I was like, oh, I, don't, I, I didn't remember that dialogue. Um, and I was, But I didn't think she was 25, but she looks like she's about 30 in, in the movie. Sure.
1: I agree so with So that's him. why, no.
0: you know, she was saying I was just a kid and what you did to yeah. me. And, you know, so I was right. like, oh, that's it was a little cringy. But now that she was supposed to be 15, 15. and yeah.
1: he's in his 20s. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. Which, again... Different time yeah, that was it, completely this is the 30s. acceptable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was completely acceptable at that time that a teenage girl, you know, as soon as she's yeah. becomes a woman, uh-huh. um, that she would date an older man because he was going to take care of her. He had means. Yep. He's going to take her from the family. They were considered burdens. You know, you had, you know, the Great Depression era stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yep, it makes yep. sense. And the fact that her father, was like a contemporary of Indy. Like, I mean, he was older. I think that's you get that angle. But he was his friend. Yeah. So he was messing yeah. around with his friend's daughter. I mean, <laughs> let's, 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 there's no reason, you know. And so now you know why he shot that guy in the street because he's a scoundrel. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like he don't care. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, I guess we've talked enough about Indiana Jones. So that's All right. that's my pick. I love it. It's awesome. It's it's an iconic film. It's it probably studied in film classes, I'm sure. And it's it's my my favorite or my quintessential action adventure movie from the '80s. So it, what is It's yours? a great
1: pick. It, it's a great pick, and I I would have went with that, but I let you choose first because I'm a gentleman. <laughs> and uh, thank you so mine will be the 1987 flick robocop now it is classified as action slash sci-fi so i guess if we did a sci-fi episode i could have chose it there too but i'm gonna lean in on the action aspect of it and um uh robocop it's set in a violent near apocalyptic future in crime-ridden detroit um you got a, you got this uh Weapon manufacturer company, I guess, or private security, militia kind of group called OCP. And uh, they win a contract to privatize the police department. So now OCP runs the cops. I mean, they even throw that, they make sure you know that because that's that's clearly said in one of the scenes. Um, The whole goal is you got old Detroit, it's crime ridden, it's decaying, you got gangs, a lot of violence, a lot of crime. So they're gonna create a new Detroit. And in order to do so, because the new, new Detroit's going to be under construction soon, in order to do so, they got to test their prototype police cyborg. And the only way to do that is to have a body. And being that all cops are signed to this agreement, and when they become cops, they sign over everything to OCP, and that's where the movie starts. And so we get a little bit of that going on um this this was one of those movies to me that really hit me at the right age at the right time I mean yes it's a violent movie but there's also a lot of satire in the movie that I probably didn't get all of the satire as a young teenager but um it 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 didn't go over my head either I mean it's it's you can watch it on multiple levels you know you have the science fiction aspect but sometimes even that becomes second nature to what's going on you know it's you 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 got this like i said you got this uh you know this police department just struggling just you know cops are dying left and right there's all this crime going on and one of their you know um murphy is i mean i know he has a first name i think it's alex but we're just going to call him Murphy He's mm-hmm. transferred to the, <laughs> into the Homicide department and uh, Or I'm assuming no, I, I don't even know if it's the homicide department But he basically he's transferred over Into this really rough area of Detroit uh, And on his first day on the job Him and his new partner Lewis Go out on a call And he's shot and murdered And then his body Gets donated and he becomes the RoboCop so, when was the first time you saw the RoboCop? So, I have a, a
0: a memory from this actually. Um so I was not allowed to watch rated R movies when I was a kid um at all. So this this came out not, so this probably was on VCR uh what what did they take a couple years back then or was it the following yeah, year?
1: Yeah, I, I think it, I think it probably came out on VHS in uh maybe 89. 88 89 it might have actually came out the next year it actually did very well at the box office i mean you got to keep keep this in mind for inflation but it did 53.4 million uh, domestically okay. and i and usually movies ran about three or four months back then you know up to a year if it was really good and usually by time the next year um they had got because uh, originally it would be like when's it going to go to hbo when's it going to go to network tv um, but the VHS market was really booming back then and uh, i think it probably went probably mid to late 88 or
0: okay so I'll, I'll say i was probably i was probably 13 years old and i remember going to the video store with my mom and somehow i convinced her to let me rent <laughs> oh <a> car, man <laughs> even though it was rated r and my fa- i knew my father wasn't home it was probably a, a saturday where he had to work or something like that and Because my father probably wouldn't let me watch it. And it was because it was a very strict rule. I, we were not allowed to watch rated-R movies. And somehow, I don't know how I did I must have said, oh, my friend saw it, said it was just a little violent or something like that. So, <laughs> so I came home for the first time in my life with a rated-R movie. And I remember <laughs> putting it on the living room. And I remember I was – I put it on. I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely rated-R. Because every other word was the F word. I mean, it was like – Oh, sure. Lots of cursing and – I remember I had to keep the volume down pretty low. And every time a mom walked by, I would pause it and, yeah, hey, mom, what's, what's going on? You need something? You know, just trying to stall because uh-huh. I didn't want her to hear what I was watching. But anyway, I vividly remember uh, renting that. I guess it was probably around 13 years old and watching it for the first time. So I didn't see this in the theaters. But um, I loved it, man. I just – it was so, you know, obviously just right off the bat, the special effects – the, the makeup, the costume, everything is just. I just rewatched this on my iPad in like high def and it looks stunning even now. Yeah. That costume is just fantastic. It is just so well put together. And yeah, so I saw this around 13 years old and I just fell in love with it. I, I went and got the NES game, I got Robocop comic books. I was all about it. So I was a big Robocop fan. But, um,. I love this movie. it was it was so fun to watch. I haven't seen this probably in about I don't know nine or ten years. I did see it. I think I re-watched it as an adult, maybe once. but I haven't seen it in a long time, and I had so much fun rewatching this
1: uh, the other night. So great pick man, absolutely. Well, let me go over a couple of facts. You talked about his suit. Um, his hands were made out of rubber. Robocop I mean not the Robocop in the movie but the costume mm-hmm. he had rubber hands so that one scene where um, the lieutenant throws him the keys and you know he's, he you know mm-hmm. he goes, he's yeah. gonna need a car and then he throws him the keys and he grabs it it took them yep. 50 takes for him to catch those <laughs> keys okay kept bouncing um, out of his hand yeah it just kept bouncing out of his hand um his suit was so hot that uh, Peter Weller was and that's the guy who plays Robocop was losing three pounds a day while they were wow. filming um another another fact that I read that um, they didn't realize how difficult it was gonna be for him to be in the car with the suit on uh. so they would they would they would only uh, when they were filming him getting out of the car they would film him like kind of like a reverse kind of thing like he was out of the car. And then he would sit down, and the, you know they would play it the uh. other way to make it look like he was getting out. And they really tried to only show from the neck up. Another thing I was seeing that they were having a hard time filming him because it was reflecting. So they had to ha- they had to use the same lighting that they would use on cars to prevent reflection. Huh. They use it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the the director, um, uh, Paul. Uh, I remember, we were talking about this before. <laughs> Verhoeven. Uh, Verhoeven. There you go. Um, when he originally was given the script, apparently the script had bounced around a little bit, and other directors passed on it. Uh, when he first got it, he read it, and then he threw it right in the garbage. He thought it was just going to be an action movie, trash movie. He didn't want nothing to do with it. But his wife um, read it, and she convinced him, saying, "Listen, you could do something with this. Put your own spin on it. You know, like." put it which there's a lot of social commentary in the movie and a lot of satire and that was something like his wife was like you know try coming it from this angle so he did that and also one of my other big favorite movies is um starship troopers and it's also directed by him and it's same deal like it's you know one one of the big themes that really stands out in this movie um besides you know the robocop stuff is uh as you're watching it, you're it's almost like you're watching a television show. You know, when you're yeah. watching RoboCop and they'll have like media break and it's actually called media break. Um it's news flashes that come in and they'll they'll talk about stuff like you know like one after robocop's out there they're showing him walking around with kids and you know pretending to shoot them and stuff like that and they're like yeah the kids really like robocop he's becoming a big sensation and you know they're showing like dick jones doing an interview about how they're trying to you know clean up old detroit and all this stuff but basically it's them just kind of you know it's it's exposition but they do it in such a clever way, and then also mix in like the satire and the social commentary. You don't even realize it what's going on. It's just entertaining, and yeah. uh, they even have commercials on top of that, you know and, and uh one of them is you know this family sitting there watching and playing a board game and you know they're like you're invading my tr- you know you're rushing in my troop you're invading my territory i'm gonna nuke you and it's like this yeah. big explosion goes off and it's called Nukem, the family board game you know by it's it's not parker brothers but they say something that sounds like parker yeah. brothers yeah. red alert red alert red alert
0: you crossed my line of death
1: you haven't dismantled your mx stockpile pakistan is threatening my border that's it buster no more military aid.
0: <laughs> Nukem. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers.
1: So it's just really good. And then, of course, the other running television show is. I want to get his name right here. Uh, the character's name is S.D. Nemeth, even though they don't refer to him like that. You just know him for the I'll buy that for a dollar guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. So you got that going on. And they do a perfect blend of, you know, showing it just enough where it has, like, this big impact on you. But it's not even in the movie that much. But yeah. um, that's that's a great little feature. Uh, um, you know, do a little rundown. Uh, uh, you know, like the bad guys, you know. And that's another good, like, kind of a switcheroo on you. Um You know, when you first, when you first, the movie first starts, it's, you know, it's like in the boardroom and, you know, you see kind of like OCP, they're, you know, they're doing a pitch and, you know, their big executive, Dick Jones, is doing a pitch to, you know, quote unquote, the old man, you know, the main guy, even though his part isn't that big, but, you know, he's the big guy. He's the, you know, the CEO of the company or whatever. And uh, so he's pitching his Ed 209. And of course, it, It malfunctions, and one of the guys there ends up getting shot, and um, that's when this you know young hungry guy, this uh, a lower level executive, steps up and he's like, "Listen, I got this RoboCop concept, and we're ready to go." So he's given a pitch. You don't see the pitch, but you know he did it, and he went. You know he gets he gets the contract. So now you know Dick Jones is being marginalized. So you think it's just like that's all going to just be kind of. You know that's just going to be like the boardroom drama. Like you don't you don't realize like Dick Jones is a bigger bad guy than you even know because you really think the big bad guy is Clarence Boddicker. Uh Now he's he's played by um, Kurtwood Smith, but a lot of people will know him from you know he's the father in uh, that '70s show, uh, which blew my mind the first time I saw him. Gosh, I didn't even
0: put that together. You're right.
1: Yeah, he's the father in, in, in that '70s show. Yeah, um, yeah, so you think he's gonna be the big bad guy because in the in his opening scene, you know, he basically you know lets one of his henchmen, you know, he uses him to stop the cops chasing him. They throw his body out, and because uh, he, you know, I mean, he's just he's just he's ruthless, and you know he's ruthless, and he has a little gang, and uh, they're they're the ones who kill, um, you know, Murphy. To make him the RoboCop but just that opening scene where you know he shoots the guys he shoots his hand off and then you know then he comes out with the joke instantly we'll give the man a hand and everybody's (laughs) laughing and they're they're so sadistic you know but yet kind of likable in some way I mean for a teenage boy I'm sure a lot of people
0: were horrified what makes Boddicker so creepy and scary and evil to me is that he looks like somebody's father He's got this balding head and these big round glasses, and to see somebody like that using such foul language and being so cruel, just made it even, even like scarier
1: to me. Well, yeah, and he's also quick witted, and you know, like he knows when to turn on the charm a little bit. You know, like uh, he could when he's doing the negotiations with the Italian guy, he knows how to kind of play the game a little bit you know what i mean and and when he's having some of his conversations with dick jones uh funny enough one i was looking through like trivia and stuff um you know when he's going in to see dick jones and he's talking to the secretary and he goes i'm here to see dick jones Uh and she and he takes his gum out (laughs) and he sticks it on her uh on her little Uh nameplate says i want to see you later that's the actor's real life wife oh is it (laughs) really yeah I i thought that was kind of a cool little trivia but um but yeah, you know, so the big standouts out of the gang are Dick Jones, of course, Emil, which has Okay, let, let me jump ahead a little bit. Do you have a favorite scene? Something that really sticks out to you?
0: Yeah, I think my favorite scene is his reveal. When he comes in and that that sound I I to I watched this movie with headphones on, and yeah. just the sound of him walking in this whole movie is just great. It's a great sound. I take my honor from and him the way they shoot that where you get this one glimpse of him of him on a TV as he turns around and everybody's kind of like rushing after him and trying to get yeah. a get a chance to see him i just love that whole scene his big reveal was so well done it wasn't like cheesy it was subtle and then they see you see him shooting at the shooting range and his gun is blowing the thing all apart and everybody's like clamoring mm-hmm. around to try to get a, a look at him i just love all it's that it's super that's, cop <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's my favorite scene is is that
1: yeah, that's great, and and you know the sound effects of his feet hitting the ground, like oh, it really so cool. does, like kind of let you know like how much he weighs, like you could feel his his weight, you know what I mean? And of course the metal. Um, well, that's another thing. Well, Just
0: while you mention it, I, I, Peter Weller does a such a good job. You you would think that anybody could pull off walking like a robot, but his performance in that suit is stellar. I mean, just how he moves, is I don't know how much he got coached on that and how much it was his own thing, but it's fantastic. I mean, it's so well done, and not, not anybody could do that as well as he did. So, to me, RoboCop is, he makes RoboCop as good as he is and as likable as he is, and he's Well, and, and he's he definitely just,
1: comes off as robotic, for sure, but yeah, he also has a, a little bit of humanity left in him.
0: A perfect balance, yeah. He he yeah. just does... It couldn't have been anybody. He does a really, really good job performing in that suit with his movements and his the way he talks. Everything is just dead on for me.
1: Yep, I agree with you, man. Um, I'll go over... I, I don't want to say this is my favorite, favorite scene, but it's one of those scenes where I can't wait to see it every time. And it probably is my favorite scene, if I'm being honest, but... Um, one of the one of the bad guys. His name is Emil. Uh, he's he almost looks like Clarence in and way, like he's receding a little bit. And mm-hmm. you know he has a lot of good lines in the movie. He's definitely one of the standout villains. Uh, but he's you know him. one of the lower levels. Yeah, I, I mean, love he's him. Great. Yeah, he's great. He has he has such good you know again witty. He has a little bit of charm to him. But of course you know he's vicious. You know he's a killer. And um, there it's in the end when they're kind of chasing them around that that construction site toxic waste i don't know whatever that site's <laughs> supposed to be old mill yeah and, uh, i know where you're going i know where you're yeah, going. yeah <laughs> and he's driving this panel truck and he gets cut off and he ends up wrecking uh right into like this big like i don't know big it's like a big container um i don't know what, what would you call it it's huge but it's like it's basically like a a big vat a of tank. toxic waste. Yeah, yeah. yeah, big vat of toxic. There you go. Big vat of toxic waste. <laughs> it's a big. It's a big. It's huge, right? So, but you don't know it's toxic waste. You just know that he ran into something, and then all of a sudden the back doors open up, and all this, you know, dirty looking water comes, you know, come, you know, just flushing out, and then he stands up, and you can see that it is toxic waste, <laughs> and all his skin is just melting <laughs> yeah. off. <laughs> and he's just like it's so Ooh! great you yeah it's great when he, when he realizes what's happening to him and he's like help me and he's walking and and one his one one of his friends you know other g- fellow gang members is like they run into each other and he's just like get off me man you know yeah. <laughs> like he's just like what the hell and then um he's like walking out into the road and then and then oh uh Clarence Boddicker just runs him over and he just splats just like yeah. a like a fly on a windshield. And that that special effect for that is so it's so awesome and it's effective because it works perfect. You know what it's I mean? A like great they scene. definitely Absolutely. put the effect in special effects on that one because it is awesome. And that <clears throat> it really that, is. that that scene and when Murphy gets his hand blown off. Oh, that, yeah. That whole scene right there is so cruel. Yep. and you feel the fear in him, and then it's almost like you know when he's like buddy i think you're slime and then you're just like dude shut up you know what yeah. i mean like you got all these killers here and then he's like oh okay you know and uh, he ends up shooting his hand off and then of course they just shoot him and murder him but um those two scenes to me i mean I, there's so many great scenes in the movie but that first scene where he gets his hand shut off as a kid yeah. that's shocked that's shocking. oh yeah like i i because did it not know that's what i signed up for yeah and then you could just see like this you know uh, this fear and loss in his face because you know he's like oh my god my hand's gone yeah you know so you yep. could see that fear and sadness and and you know he's getting to walk away and they're laughing at him you know yeah. and of course yeah uh the one guy um his name is joe uh, he's the African-American character who has that really crazy laugh. You know, you yeah. can really hear his laugh like that. Ha, ha, ha. I yeah, can't yeah. Even do it, but it's this really crazy laugh. <laughs> I took her out. Buddy, I think you're slime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 well, give the man a hand.
1: and uh you know you can hear his laugh and you know they're just all laughing and just, they just think it's just this funniest thing that they just shot this guy's hand off and uh there's just something about that cruelty and, and then they just yeah. like like turning off a switch it's like okay guys let's go like it's nothing you mm-hmm. know what i mean and even that Joe on the way out, he's just like, "Good night, sweet prince." You know, <laughs> like it's just—I don't know, man. There was just something about it. Like I, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was just going to be a science fiction movie. I didn't realize it was going to be like this, this crime action film. You know. Well, Paul Verhoeven's style is just—it's so over the top
0: that it's—it's—it's it's, it's satire, but it's not—it's not. It's not- so much so that it's silly it's like it rides that line perfectly yes everything's does. over the top the The whole notion the whole way the police department is, is operating the whole way that the big businesses are operating the way the bad guys act everything is, is like wacky crazy over the top but not like where it's like off-putting or silly it, it, it's still believable but that's just his style and it's the same thing you see in Total Recall and in uh uh the Starship Troopers as well. Yes. Uh he's so
1: good at that. At, and you know, at I, I forget he does a total recall. Every every mm-hmm. time somebody says that it's almost like reminding myself again. And it yeah. makes perfect sense because that's another one of my favorite movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. those three are three of my favorite movies from the late eighties, early nineties for sure. Um but yeah that that's I what you're just describing, all those scenes and the way the bad guys are acting and everything. Um that that kind of tone is throughout every theme of the movie. Everything is just over the top, and, and look, look at the police department. There's there's just there's chaos, you know. There's papers flying everywhere, and there's yep. people being drugged around. There's there's hookers
1: that are being drugged in there, and all kind of stuff like that. Well, and, and, and one of the Murphy beats, the, or not Murphy, but Lewis like beats the shit out of this guy, yeah. <laughs> and then the, the the lieutenant or sergeant or whatever the you know the 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 chief. He's just like when you're done fucking around with your suspect over here you know come on over here you know what i mean like you know, all nonchalant like yeah you know when you're done screwing around come on over here i gotta introduce you to somebody
0: yeah it's just great he said he sets such a good a good tone and it it really just lends itself well to um being different being unique because when i saw this it was just so weird and and different but I loved it you know yep I didn't understand why probably at the time but just um, and you know other movies did it similarly like you know there's I I see some like Die Hard in this a little bit Um, just with like the over the top bad guy characters they all have like a kind of unique kind of thing about them and they're all acting crazy each of them
1: have a different personality kind of thing yeah I, I, I talked to you a little bit about it earlier, or not today, but when we were talking about this before, but I always find it interesting that um, there was like, you know, there's always like tropes in various um, in, in various decades, and in the 80s, it was always like like that strong, sometimes sarcastic black uh, police chief. You know, there <laughs> yeah, there's one yeah. in RoboCop, there's one in Beverly Hills Cop. Um there's another i was just watching this movie the other day but it's just like it's funny how they you know they find this particular thing that you know okay that's gonna be we need this okay it's got to be that and you know the the yeah
0: the, yeah.
1: the girl's got to be a brunette or blonde not a redhead you know what I mean? it has got to be one or the <laughs> yeah. other you know it's they always yeah. had like this cookie cutter thing that they fit yep. people in you <laughs> right. know what i mean but uh it's just, it's funny how they they just had these things and and yeah. RoboCop, you know, is is no short of that cuz it it does the same thing. Yep. And um another thing about RoboCop, you know, he had the three prime directives. Now, do you remember what the prime directives were? Um serve the public trust. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's one. Uphold uphold the
0: law was the last one. That's was three. The, yes. It was serve the public trust uphold the law i forgot Uh, the the other one what's the third one
1: well it it in order it's the second one but yeah it's the third the one you didn't get is uh protect the innocent protect the innocent serve the public trust uphold the law yeah and of course we know there's a fourth one but that's classified and you don't get to know what the reveal to that is towards the end of the movie Mm -hmm, and that is he cannot arrest right um a high ranking official of of uh ocp uh-huh and yep. that was that was a little thing that uh dick jones put in there yep. and i yep. always thought that was really cool that that was basically his big reveal. i mean you kind of knew it already because he already had talked to clarence boddicker at that point uh-huh. but that was almost like his like no i i you think that i had nothing to do with you no, no no i i put this in there so right. you can't stop you know i own you you know Yep. And that was a pretty cool little reveal, and um, of course, that is that might be the cheesiest thing out of the whole movie, though, because yes, he's, he's like say... fighting it, and he's like, eh, oh, that okay, you know, like what? Well, no, not not the reveal, not the. I, I didn't mind the extra directive, but I'm no, just no, saying I... the fact that like this this directive kicks in and instead of him just immediately just shutting down like a robot would i guess that's because he is part human maybe that's why he's that's fighting that's it. how
0: i took that that i thought yeah. he was fighting that like he was trying his human side was trying to fight off he wanted to do something but his computer side
1: wouldn't let him kind of thing that's yeah i mean it's almost like that. a somebody who's possessed i suppose but um i was watched because i rewatched it too and i just remember thinking like I don't know. It was still good. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a good cheese, but I I, I thought, thought you were oh, gonna okay. say
0: when I said yeah. I thought you were gonna say the part where I like when he says you're fired and he says thank yeah, you. When, that was good. when a guy falls out the window, that's like the worst special effect in the movie. Well, and
1: and people make fun of it because his arms are really long. Yeah,
0: I noticed that. I was like, why why is it like Freddy?
1: You might have seen I, one of the Freddy I, movies. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is, is weird. weird but yeah that's that's a big it's kind of like a meme that they show his arms are super long and everything it yeah, must have just is... been, it must have had something to do with the special effects the blue screen or green screen yeah it looked it using. did look really really
0: weird um but you know all the ed 209 stop motion stuff was so good man it, it yeah. still holds up to me
1: it does it's good and some of it was models right little models mm-hmm. like when yep. he's falling down the stairs yeah, yep. yeah yep. that was a little model that they did um I, this is just a movie that holds up i'm gonna tell you what they remade robocop uh, you know four or five six years ago whatever i didn't it was. like that one i didn't like it it's not good i mean nope. the fact is it's okay for what it is i suppose but it's just not good like no. they didn't commit to the full r you know it's like come on yeah man. yeah you know part, yeah. part of the part of the appeal to this movie is it's a rated r movie yeah you know yeah like this would not work as a pg movie no no, and, you know it just wouldn't, especially in the in this era of PG, it would not work. It definitely, no. and even a PG thirteen, I don't think it would work. Can it work? Sure, but it wouldn't be as good. You know, part right. of the part of what makes it so good is the shock, seeing his arm getting blown off, the lady, you know, almost being raped, and then him shooting that guy in the <laughs> <a>, in his <laughs> yeah. penis. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. these are. Uh, you know, when he knocks the crap out of that dude in that liquor store, and he goes and flies through the the counter and everything, the the yeah. window, yeah, it's the coal box. You know, it's like that stuff is is such a big part of the movie. The violence, yeah. the cursing, the you know, I mean, they would have to cut out half the dialogue. Yeah, you know, to get it on a PG thirteen. I well, It was
0: interesting to have a movie like this that was something that you would typically think would appeal to children. A robot. A robot right. cop. And that's something like you would see on a cartoon. But it's this hard R movie. It was just interesting, you know?
1: Well, and ironically, this hard R movie got a cartoon. I know. A child's a comic cartoon. And it got toys. a comic book. It got a <laughs> toy line. It got a Ninten- an NES game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It, matter of fact, it got three NES games. It got a Super Nintendo game. I mean, it's... It's all it, it, they didn't, you know, that was another weird thing. It's like, I don't know if we'll ever have that time again where, you know, you could take a hard R movie like this or Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th and you can market it towards children in a low key way, like they did with the cigarettes to kids or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so yeah. interesting how they backdoored that in to children. Yeah. So I noticed
0: when I was watching it that it's funny how I'm sure you noticed this too ed 209 has like animal sounds
1: yes they like so roars horrible. yeah it's so bad it's so It sounds bad. like a
0: lion i don't know why I, I obviously they did it just for i guess they had to
1: do it just for jokes i guess because i, I be. don't know did they think I, that
0: that you were supposed to take that seriously i guess they just wanted it to be more menacing and, it, and maybe when they did it without it they said oh it just doesn't seem scary enough that's my guess I don't know But then when he falls down the steps It's it's so distracting
1: Yeah Yeah He's squealing like a pig or something When he's down the stairs When he first gets up to You know like Step towards the guy Because he has the gun He makes that lion roar Yeah
0: Um, Please put down your weapon You have 20 seconds to comply I think you'd better do what he says Mr. Kenny have 15 seconds to so, I don't know, no, man. So no and weird. the director I, I, maybe it's just that he's just being over the top. It's just like almost like a joke.
1: You know, like like you said. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean it, it might be or it might just been one of those things where they tried out several different sounds and that was just the best of the worst, who knows. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. It it to me it just adds to the charm now, but um mm-hmm. it is a, it it's interesting to to wonder like why
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. Just like, no- it was why? noticeable. That's all, you know. Yeah, it Worth definitely sticks out.
1: out. Yep. Well, I think that's all I got on it, man. But I say this: it's one of my favorites. Um, the sequels aren't as good. Uh, they're nowhere near as good. Uh, the second one still has Peter Weller in it, but uh, you can see the writing different. Di- I'm pretty sure it's a different director. Um, it's just not as good. The third one is so bad, it's good in a weird way. It's it's I, weird. I don't know that I've ever seen that one. Um I saw the second one in the theaters.
0: Um and I talked about this with you before. I I, right. I remember liking it to some degree, but I was so turned off by that kid um with the foul mouth. It just yeah. I don't know, it was just so weird to me. I I just remember not liking that element of the film a lot. But that's all I really remember about it. I haven't seen that one since probably that initial viewing to be honest with you. But um I well, do remember I there were a, a lot, I a lot a that I did tape. like.
1: I have an extra tape, but I'll send it to you whenever I get oh, you another know, okay. package set up. I, I did notice I had a double of it, uh, but cool. I, I thought there was things about it that I did like. I just, it should have just been better. You know, what now, I, mean? it I remember better. who was
0: that comic book writer that did like, um, gosh, what's his name? He had a, he did a bunch of movies there for a while. What, did he McFarlane? write Sin City? What's that?
1: What Todd McFarlane? No, 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 no. Um, oh, Sin City. Um, is it Bob something? I don't
0: know. I, I, I got to look it up. Hang on a second. Because okay, look it up.
1: Let's see who's. Who, let's see whose internet's faster.
0: Um, there's a comic book. I think he wrote RoboCop two, the screenplay, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. He had a couple movies he he started doing. He oh he did. Um, you talk about Frank tar- Miller? Frank Miller, yes, yes. Frank he Miller? wrote the Dark okay. Knight Returns, right? The Batman, the famous yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that's really good. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, listen, just because you write something doesn't mean they apply it well. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if he did write RoboCop two, um, they would screwed it up because it's just not. It's it, it's listen. It's okay. It just it cannot compete with RoboCop one. Okay, check this you know. out. I'm
0: looking this up now. Irving Kirshner directed this. Okay.
1: You know, from The Empire Strikes Back? Uh, that is very disappointing to me. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh, here I we don't go. believe Scre- you. I believe Scre- you, but I don't believe you. Screenplay, Frank Miller. So, yeah, that's what I thought. Huh.
0: Wow. Irving Kirshner directed Robocop 2. I, I'm
1: reading that right now. Irving Kirshner is a 1990 film. It made $45.7 at the box office, so it dipped a little bit. His budget was $14 million. Uh, Yeah. Mm, Frank Miller, he's in there. I mean, there is some yep. other screenwriters involved in that, so yeah, yeah. But he had his hand in. It.
0: I'm trying to see if um, if uh, he was involved in the first writing as well, but I, I'm not sure that he was.
1: Yeah, that's so. well. I, needless to say, it's um, it's no RoboCop no. one, you know. No, it's okay though. I mean, I don't hate it. I like if I, there's things about it that I like and things about it that I don't like. Um, yeah, I
0: remember it being a a typical sequel from the time where it wasn't as good as the first, but it was halfway decent kind of thing.
1: Yeah. yeah and I like mean, I said, I don't... I'm surprised you didn't like it the first viewing. See, I, my my uh, liking of it has diminished, whereas, you know... Yeah. It seems like you would like it more at first, so if you hated it at first, I don't know if I could bring you back, man. I'll, I'll give it a try, though. I'll send you a copy, and you can see if... Uh, but I, I think part three is good in a bad way. I think I, I watched that. I watched that not too long, like a couple months ago, and I remember thinking to myself, "I can't believe I'm enjoying this."
0: Well, I think for me, when I realized it wasn't Peter Weller, I was just like, "Nah, no thanks."
1: Oh no, that's you know? exactly how I would. I thought of it too as a kid. I didn't even. I don't even. Well, teenager, whatever age I was, I didn't watch it. I remember yeah. thinking like, ah, he's not in it. What I because I always hated that when they strip down sequels because then it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's like why even make it?
0: Yep. Almost as bad as when they change girls in a, in a you know, yeah, like in, in Indiana, like in Indiana Jones. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's too many they movies. They brought that her did back that. in
1: part four, so there you go. Uh, yeah, and he marries her, man. Come on, Yep. you got your way. <laughs> yeah, finally. All right well anything else to add to robocop discussion nah, i yeah I think that's it i think we've hit the we hit the end of the line there with Robocop
0: well both great movies and really fun discussion um I'm proud to have these two movies in our category for quintessential action adventure film from the eighties so uh, did we decide what we're doing next month are we gonna do um well we're gonna i guess we'll go ahead and reveal we're gonna do uh, fantasy, science fiction. Um, what else? We're gonna do a horror. Horror. That's right. Right.
1: <laughs> and then and we were then tinkering around we'll with maybe probably, doing we'll comedy. Probably go with light like comedy. Yeah, we kind of have to. I mean, come on. So for the next I mean, couple it was of months, a decade of comedies. Yeah,
0: so for the next couple of months, I think we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot of, about quintessential eighties movies by genre. So that's that's what you can expect for the next couple of months. So. Right. That's our plan so, anyway.
1: So, we'll see yeah, if, it I mean, unfolds. if something if something comes up, we might bump it a month, but it, it we're, sure. we're definitely going down this road. We're going to we're going to talk about some of our fav, favorite 80s movies and uh yep. what we well quintessential like you're saying, but something that if you want to watch an 80s movie, you should watch this movie. Yep.
0: And Raiders of the Lost Ark and RoboCop definitely fall into that. So,
1: well, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, that's just an all-time great. I don't care what Era. It is. I mean, it might, yeah. I, like you said, you thought it was a little bit dated. I don't know, man. It, the, the, the graphics, yes. There are some of that special effects yeah. uh, at the end. But, man, that story is so pure. Oh, yeah. Classic film, for sure. Yep. All right.
0: Well, thanks for listening, guys. Um, I want to remind you guys to check out the Discord server where we post pictures and then further the discussion and post our scores from the Beat the Bandy Challenge. So... Um, well, I know this was Rambox's favorite movies as well, RoboCop, right? So, yeah, we got well, one of his favorite games. Fan. We're playing the Kung Fu, and his favorite movie, and he called us out on the Empire Strikes Back date. So this is like That's a Rambox okay. heavy episode. <laughs> That's
1: all right. <laughs> Send all your hate mail to rambox.com/org. <laughs> Go.
0: All right. Well, thanks again, guys, and we will see you next time.